Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode five of the Good Faith Idea Exchange. So, guys, I I think you know now that when it comes to interviews, I'm especially looking for people who are making a difference, people who are making a positive impact in our communities. And for today's interview, I reached out internationally and sat down with Hannah Lemon. Now, Hannah's specialty lies in the areas of wildlife and conservation. She is a resident of the United Kingdom. Currently, she is a lab manager at Edinburgh University, and she is a graduate of St. Andrews University. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about conservation. Uh, We're going to be talking about her efforts um, over in the UK and, you know, how this affects us all globally. Also, we'll be diving into some of the work she's done as a biologist in the field and some of the interesting results she has uncovered. So today's discussion won't really be political in nature, but more scientific with an experienced professional. Um, I hope you guys enjoy it. Hannah, if you don't mind, um, if you could just, in your own words, tell me a little bit about what you do and um, how long you've been doing it, um, your background a little bit. Yeah, so... um... I'm a university researcher in a kind of overarching way, but more specifically, I'm a lab manager. Um, So I'm currently working on a project called the Soe Sheep Project on St Kilda. Uh, St Kilda is basically a super remote island off of the coast of Scotland. The, the reason we're interested in St Kilda is because there's a feral breed of sheep that lives there. Um, yeah. So the, the island was last inhabited by people in the 1930s, but some of their livestock was left there, including the sheep, which have survived. So, so sheep are interesting because they they live in a sort of wild way on on this island. It's a it's very vaguely a little bit like every every dog came from a wolf, and just in the same way, every every sheep breed that we know that's domesticated or farmed came from something that was quite like a soy sheep. Okay. Um, so we we sort of track we we track these animals on a kind of individual basis. We have three field seasons a year, and each sheep gets uh, a little ear tag, so it can be individually recognised throughout its life. And then we do we collect lots of samples, and we can analyse these in the lab and find out more about the kind of family relationships. So we know we know loads about these sheep. Uh, the study's been going for about 30 years now. We know all of the kind of parentage. And um, I, th- I think you, you also asked sort of more broadly about my career, right? Right, right. Um, so I'm actually lab manager on the a project that's called The Ecology Within, which basically looks at the gut microbiome of the sheep. So gut microbiome is it's kind of a cool term just now in 
a more kind of public sense whereby your gut bacteria so there's a lot of adverts about activia and these cool yogurt drinks that you can get that will help your gut bacteria that's the kind of thing that we're we're looking at in these sheep but in a far more natural wild setting and there's there's been all sorts of studies done that that looks at how gut bacteria can impact mental health in humans, for example, but it can also impact other things in the sheep, like we want to know, can it impact their reproductive success, for example, because we kind of consider individuals as ecosystems in their own right. Okay. Okay. That's very interesting. The part about gut bacteria, I... That's totally new to me. I, I didn't really know that angle as far as um, as far as these studies go. Okay, um, I I actually um, I actually you know take my probiotics um, you know sometimes, but that's that's very interesting. Um, so I imagine you have you know you you've had you know a good amount of experience with with this sort of thing not only working with uh, the animals that you're working with now, but um, what is it about working with animals, with studying, even, you know, the animals that you're studying now? Um, what is it that interests you or has, you know, always interested you so much and, and, and drives you so much? Um, I think I've always been one of those weird people that kind of prefers animals to people. I don't know, they bring me a sort of calmness, I think. But I was with my, so I've got a biology background, of course. A lot of people in my sector, in the kind of environmental and the ecological sector, have a slightly different view of the world than than a lot of people do, whereby a lot of the time the public views humans as the most important species whereas in the kind of circles I move in it's not we don't really view things that way it's this ecocentric view of the world versus an egocentric view of the world whereby humans are just another species they're just another animal and it doesn't mean we're not important but it means every animal is important we're not we're not all sort of crazy like loopy people who are like of course humans are important but they're they don't really have a more important role in an ecosystem we just happen to have a more highly developed intelligence that's that's our niche that's what we utilize just as every other species will utilize some sort of niche in their ecosystem that means that they play a fundamental role so I think that's why that's kind of where my interest comes it almost doesn't matter to me what animal I'm working on because I think everything's got a really cool role to play in the world gotcha gotcha okay all right well something that um Something that I've heard, I, I think a lot of us, um, a lot of us, you know, regular people have heard in the news, seen this word um, a lot over the past, you know, especially over the past 20 years, um, the word conservation. You've seen it a lot. I, you know, if, if you don't mind, um, if you could tell me just in, you know, just in your own words, what is conservation and why is uh, why is conservation important? Yeah, 
Um, I think conservation can really can sort of mean a lot of different things. I'd say conservation to me a lot of the time means an attempt to maintain the diversity in the world. That's what we that's what's sort of really the most important thing is everything has a role to play and it's important to keep that diversity in order for the the world to really function in a sort of the, like sort of the way it's the way it's meant to function. Okay. So I think con- conservation as a kind of sector, as, as it is now, because we have population declines of animals, we have species disappearing off the face of the earth due to lots of different things. Hunting can be one of them, for example. Um, it's at a point now where conservation really needs to be a bit more multidisciplinary, I think, than just conservation itself, than just ecologists. It needs to be... It needs to be economic. It needs to be sort of governmental because these these things are impacting everyone every day, especially with with climate change playing a role now as well. So I'd say one of the kind of major issues with conservation right now, and I would say the biggest threat to the sort of world species is is climate change. Um, it's undeniable that so a good example of, of 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 climate change being an issue is with with habitat loss. Species can sort of survive in an area so long as those conditions are right, and they're just not really right for a lot of for a lot of species anymore. Because it's because the issue really is that climate change is happening so quickly. There are absolutely natural fluctuations in temperatures, but it's the speed at which these things are happening that means that sort of populations can't can't adapt quick enough. But if we lose them, we lose them and we've lost that gene pool. And like I was saying earlier, we need we need that diversity to have a functioning ecosystem. Understood. Okay. That actually, you actually went into my next question, which was going to be, what were some of the biggest, some of the greatest challenges facing conservation, conservation efforts, you know, all around our planet? But it sounds like you pretty much already laid into that. So what would you say are, you know, are there any sorts of key initiatives underway to, to combat uh, some of these some of these challenges facing conservation efforts um yeah I mean there's all sorts of work going on I know it largely on a more local scale to me so that would be within the UK there's lots of great cha- charities like the RSPB the BTO um, the SOC for example the Scottish Ornithologist Club is one that I'm quite closely associated with and I think they do some really amazing bird conservation work. I think more more generally on a more kind of global scale, there's there's a really big conference coming up this year. It was supposed to be last year, but was postponed because of COVID. It's called COP26. And that's where lots of um, sort of world leaders in the conservation and environmental sector are going to come together to discuss the real kind of main issues facing um, the natural world and how what we can do to to sort of make things better. Gotcha, gotcha. With um, with a lot of these initiatives that have been underway, um, 
you know, and not only what's underway now or what's about to be underway, but in efforts in the past, how would you say COVID has changed things in terms of the problems themselves and how is it affecting initiatives that are better in place? So I would say one, something positive that COVID has done is it's built people's appreciation of the natural world, or at least I've certainly seen, seen that here. People go out for walks more because it's been, it really has been their only form of escapism during this pandemic when you're asked to stay at home by the government. Um, so I think that's been really positive to improve people's connection to the natural world. And that's something that's super, super important. But then, of course, there's the flip side. There's been there's been a lot of really negative impacts. So, for example, research just really hasn't been getting done the same way as it as it usually would. I know that certainly impacted my job specifically. So just cancelled field seasons there's a lot of scientists out there who have not been able to go out and collect the data that they would usually collect. And that's especially important when it's long-term studies and suddenly you have just a missing year or a missing season. So that's been like hugely detrimental, I'd say. And of course, it's always it's always related to money as well. Like we all, in the scientific community, we all work on grants. Right. And we have, we work on sort of shorter term contracts where a study might be four years so if you lose a year of that where you can't do proper work it really just won't it won't be the same for many years to come gotcha okay well how much um you know how much would you say COVID has affected your job in general you know has your job uh, has your job changed since all of this started yeah so my my job has been impacted so I wasn't able I work in a lab day to day I also do field work but largely my my job is lab based and we were not able to come into the lab for six months um so we are way way behind on sample on sample processing and funders are offering they're calling them no cost extensions which basically means you can have an extra year to do your research but you won't get any more money to do that so it's definitely very generous and it's much appreciated, but there is also still only so much you can do if you can't pay your staff for a year longer, for example, um, which may or may not be the case with with certain projects. And also just people, people that I know, a lot of people in the conservation sector have been furloughed. I don't know if you've come across this term as well, but basically right. um, the government pays you to not to not do your job for a while because there you can't you can't do your job. Maybe you can't go and go out and collect data because of government restrictions, for example. So so these jobs just haven't been getting done. And then it's very clear that the the sort of backlash from all of this is is certainly going to be job cuts. The conservation charities just don't have the money to maintain the same staff levels as they had pre COVID. Gotcha. I guess from the standpoint of a lot of us um, regular people who are kind of outsiders to some of these, um, you know, some of these heavy biological issues, biological issues, what can, what can the average person do, you know, right now, like someone who might not know much about this, but really wants to help, um, really wants to do something that can you know, help to make some sort of impact. 
you know, is there, is there much that, um, what could they do right now to possibly help with some of this? Yeah, I think that's a super important question. And I think that's, that's sometimes the, the issue is that people, people do care, but they just don't know how to, how to show that or how to, to demonstrate that. So I think that's where this can be really positive, actually, because people really can make a difference on an individual level, but which will impact in, on a global scale. So, so one of the really big ones would be reducing the, num- the number of flights that people take. Obviously, that's, I mean, COVID, we've not been able to travel on, on flights, but if there, if there are situations where you could take alternative travel, that, that really makes a huge difference. But then there's smaller scale things that people can do as well, like just things as simple as putting bird feeders in your garden. It means more birds will survive that year. Um, just like super simple things like that can be so helpful. And one thing that I would beg people to do is just to educate themselves on the issues. Like even if they do nothing more than that and we're just doing things like this podcast and we're just talking about it, that's what needs to be happening. We need we need this stuff in the public domain. We need people to to care. Like people aren't going to protect things they don't care about, and that's ultimately the issue. So if more people care, just doing silly things like watching David Attenborough documentaries, that's what people need to do. Like it can be so like helping can be so much fun. Gotcha. Okay. You had mentioned um reducing the number of flights. Um, so I guess what is the positive impact on reducing the number of flights? Um, so, so basically the flights that people take, it's, it's ultimately going to impact the carbon that's in the environment. And the more carbon we have in the environment, the warmer our world's going to get. And the warmer our world gets, the less able the species we have are going to be able to live in the environments that that they're in. We've got a sort of warmer world, and that is that's kind of ultimately the issue. Gotcha. Okay, I um, I definitely wanted to make sure that was just you know explained for people who might not who might not understand that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but. Um, Say there was someone who was interested in possibly going into your line of work. You know, is is there any advice that you might have for someone considering um, considering going into your field? Um. Yeah. So my my path into this field was kind of a strange one, actually. I I, I always knew I liked science. I did. I studied biology, chemistry, and physics at school. And actually applied to university to do maths and physics, which I did for a year. And then decided, actually, I really preferred biology. So changed to biology in my second year. So I think my advice would be, even if you think you're on a certain path, you can always change that path. Okay. And another thing for for getting into the conservation sector, voluntary work can be can be really helpful. I think there's kind of pros and cons to the voluntary work. So it can be super helpful for conservation charities and it can be eye-opening for for the people doing the work and really, really rewarding. But also you don't want to give too much of your time either before you get paid for doing skilled work. I think that's important is that 
yes, do voluntary work that's relevant to the field you want to go into, but don't do so much that your time gets taken for granted either because I th- I think I just think it's important that these things aren't run entirely on volunteers. Okay. Um but that that can look really good on on the sort of on the C V though. And um I know that made a big difference to me was going on just sort of certain courses and, and a lot of reading as well. Just start find find ways to really care about and educate yourself on on your topic and then you're always going to come across better at interview. Okay. And and what would you say are the most interesting or exciting aspects of of your of your work of of what you do um you had even you know you had even mentioned earlier about gut bacteria what are some interesting aspects of your work i think for me personally one of the sort of most interesting aspects is getting is getting to do field work actually getting out into the natural environment and seeing seeing the natural world that's that's what i really love the most that's i would do it and i would do it well, i do do it in my spare time so getting paid to do it is is even even more amazing but i think just seeing seeing scientific papers getting published like on our work on gut bacteria and and stuff like this and just seeing that go into the world and then in years to come that changing potentially changing policies and 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 what we know about about health and and things like this is so is so exciting. It's such a kind of collaborate. Science is so collaborative, and that's what I really love about it is that you can do a sort of really small study, but that will add to all of the studies that will come after it. And that's something I really like is this constantly kind of we refer to it as sort of standing on the shoulders of giants whereby everyone's working on what the last person worked on and trying to improve it and better it. And I think that's one of my sort of favorite things about what I, what I do and what I work on. Gotcha. Gotcha. Awesome. All right. Well, that's pretty much everything that I had wanted to ask you. Is there, is there anything that, um, you know, you kind of wanted to, mention or any sort of um you know initiatives or anything that you wanted to put out there uh before we before we end it nothing specific just really asking people to do to do their small part and realizing that that it will make a difference even if you you don't need to ever see that difference to know you've made a difference and ultimately helping out the natural environment will help out you in return. There are so many sort of health benefits and mental health benefits to a healthy natural world. And I just, I just want more, I think I just want more people to know that. And also I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for having me on and letting me talk about stuff that I care so much about. All right. So that concludes the interview with Hannah Lemon. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it as always, and I hope you got something good out of it. As I've said before, you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, you name it, um, it's, it's on there. Be sure to hit subscribe and be sure to give me a rating. You know, Let me know how I'm doing. Anyway, I hope you all have a great day. Stay safe out there and, you know, never turn away the chance for 
for knowledge and never turn away the chance to, to open your mind and expand your perspectives.